throughout the nation and around the globe. From his heart to yours, it's Dear James Live, bringing you intuitive insight, answers, and advice to your life questions. Hello, beautiful soul family, and welcome to Weekly Wisdom and Insights, your home for spiritually guided transformation and empowerment. I am your host, Dear James, and together with the Unseen, Spirit, Source, and Symphony, we go as guided. We listen to our soul source connection, and we look at the current energies, and we see where it is all guiding us. And whoo, do we have an action-packed show. I feel like sometimes these could be two hours long, not an hour long. So anyways, let me jump into it because there is so much to cover. Um, we have double 29s, we have triple 11s, um, and we have a very, we have very powerful messages. Um, welcome, Olivia. And as you know, we take your comments and questions live. We incorporate them throughout the show. So give a shout out in the comments. Let me know where you're joining from. And we are going to jump right in. So. I want to start off the show this week, um, and really, again, remember, we're, so we're completing, the, this is the final show of November. However, remember what they have been telling us. This isn't the ending, this is the beginning. And so these are very powerful energies that are literally taking us into the new year, the new, um, the new energies, everything about it. And I know we've been talking about the new since, uh, since we started the show. Welcome, Ava, um, since November of, of 2021. However, everything's amplifying. It's, it's moving up. It's getting larger. Welcome, Alicia. So keep in mind these thoughts, and they are, they are big ones, and you'll see why. Mound slash hill is one, one set, one theme. Tense. Tabernacle, that's a second set of themes, and you're going to see how this is very all very interwoven, harking all the way back 2,000 plus years. And then restoration, unity. So mound and hill, tents and tabernacle, restoration, unity. Welcome, Sue. And let's jump in with our main theme, and then we're going to set the stage because the Sabian symbols to the astrology to these main themes off the charts, powerful. So our main theme, put my specs on as you all know, our main theme is unity. And we're, we're maintaining this image for the month of November. That beautiful, you are the key. Uh, we have the, the illumination, the crown chakra illumination, the butterfly, this uh, transfiguration, this metamorphosis. The beauty, though, is it with unity is the world, and then the word you, uh, the word before is in quotes. So the world before us. Welcome, Elizabeth. We have a double entendre here. The unseen is saying to us, unity, the world before us. Before meaning both in front of us, what's to come, and before us, before us as in what preceded this time, this era. So it's about unity, the world before us, and what role each of us plays, what our soul said it would do. And so this sets the tone, the world before us. Now let's just jump into 
let's look at the current, the main energies, because I told you we have double 29s, we have triple 11s. And so 11, peace, relax. We have this movement towards peace, unity, restoration. Then today is the 29th. So we have the 29th, it's abyss, relinquish. And this is about relinquishing the past, the old. When you then add, so the two and a nine, the two and the nine become another 11. So the 11 and 11 is 22. Grace, and remember last, last week we had 11, 22, 33. So this week we have it again. However, it, it, rep, it presents itself in triple 11s. So here's 22, grace, accept, to move with grace, to accept change, to accept the things that are, in essence, passing away, to let them go. The seven, all year long, it's a seven-year, armies and legions, correct discipline, and that we have everything we need. So when you add the 11, um, when we add the numbers together, we, come to a, we can either come to a 20, which is that high contemplation overview. And we've had this before, but I want to bring this image up really quickly. Remember, it's the, the golden apple and the owl, this overview, this higher contemplation. And you're going to see how the owl plays in with one of the Sabian symbols for this moment. So going back. And then we have, and the, of course, the two and the zero become a two. It's the receptive force. It's to reflect. And the receptive force is the divine feminine. So, and the way you get the three 11s, the two and the nine become an 11. So the 11 and the 11 is a 22. Add the seven for the 2023, it becomes another 29. The two and the nine become an 11. So we have double 29s, triple 11s. Now, what was very interesting about this, and I'm going to do it at the, I'm going to do it at the front <laughs> instead of at the end. It was the fifth thing that the 5E element that um, the unseen gave me for this week. And I looked up and I saw the 11, 11, 11. And when you look at it, when you put three sets of 11, what immediately came to me was a set of gates. It's like two pillars and a gate. And then I heard, so I'm going to bring the image up, and it's a powerful one, so uh, bear with me on that. But here it is, and what they said, 11, 11, 11, and these gates, and they said, the gates of hell or the entrance to heaven choose. And so we are moving towards a moment where this is the truth. This 11, 11, 11, this gateway, this choice point, this moment in time where we must all choose. What in our unity, what, what are we choosing to unify with? Now remember, we've said, you know, everything divine and neutral. There's no judgment here. It's just what are you energetically resonating with? What are you migrating towards or to with? 
and thereby the 11, 11, 11, these, these gates, it's the gates of hell or the entrance to heaven, choose. Very powerful energies. So let's move, and I'm going to keep weaving here, to the astro influences, because they're going to set, and you're going to see, because this was so fascinating. So on Monday, we had the beaver full moon. It's the Gemini, it was in Gemini at four degrees, and it created a mutable T-square. And coming up then on Friday, we have Mercury, how we think and communicate and everything, moving into Capricorn, where Pluto has been retrograding. It's finishing up business. So things are going to become more clear, more tangible, um, more apparent, more, um, how, uh, they're saying to me both divisive, more divisive, and more reconciled. <laughs> I know that sounds like an oxymoron. Work with me. <laughs> but yet you can see what they're saying is the extreme. It's going to get more extreme and yet more clear, more resolved. And what was so fascinating when, when I did the astrological influences, you'll see in the middle of the screen of the image, the theme for these energies, for this um, beaver full moon that was in, that is in Gemini that just occurred on Monday. And again, moving forward, they said, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. And I had to sit with that because I'm like, what? Okay, so what do you mean? What, what are you telling us unseen? And it wasn't until I realized, I'm going to bring up on the screen, the actual chart. And it, and it is missing in this chart. Um, missing meaning it's not present. Uh, it's not, it's not, the symbol is missing. However, it is there. The symbol, and I kept sitting with this, and it was about Ceres. Ceres is the Roman goddess. Demeter is her equal, her the same, the same goddess in, in Greek mythology. So Roman mythology, Greek mythology. And then I realized Ceres is sitting. So if you look top right, you'll see the red. Uh, the red sun, just to the right of it, is Mars. They're at two degrees and four degrees. Ceres, Demeter, is sitting at zero degrees, all at Sagittarius. Now, what's the point of that? The point, though, this hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. It has to do with this restoration. The, the third thing that the Unseen gave us for this week was a restoration of balance to balance. And what this is talking about is, so remember that Demeter is the mother of Persephone in Greek mythology. Persephone, so her father is Zeus. So her mother and father are, father are Demeter and Zeus. Hades, in the underworld, decides that he wants to take Persephone as his wife. Zeus says okay. Two divine masculines say okay. All of a sudden, they and they've not consulted um, Demeter, Ceres, Demeter. And so she's missing. She goes to the underworld. Demeter is in charge. She's the harvest. 
She's she represents everything about what is good in new uh, nourishment, the mother. So agriculture, livestock, all of these things that are sustenance for life. So at that time, pre Persephone being uh, taken to the underworld, our existence was this golden era, the eternal spring, the beauty of everything in harmony and balance. In her grief, Persephone's grief, I'm sorry, uh, Demeter's grief, in trying to find her daughter, she loses focus. Her focus is on finding her daughter. Well, everything starts to die on Earth. Agriculture, livestock, humans, everything is... And so they finally, she, with assistance, goes to Helios, Helios, the sun god, and asks with this higher overview, where's my daughter? And he says she's in the underworld. Hades is taking her as his wife. Long story short, they agree that as long as Persephone has not eaten, taken of anything from the underworld, she may return. Come to find out she's had a few pomegranate seeds. So the agreement is that she must remain six months in the underworld, six months above. And thus this kind of thing of why we have a, a spring, spring type summer aspect and a winter aspect where things are alive, things are not alive. They go into dormancy in a sense. The issue here is about the fact that this hell hath no fury like a woman scorned, representing the divine feminine, and how these the era, the time, these choices that were made, and that there's a restoration, there's a demand. It's like the divine feminine is demanding this restoration to harmony to what, to that golden era, to what was before, the world before us. Because in that state, it was, it was pure, it was harmonic, everything was balanced, everything was an eternal spring. This beauty of everything good in the world. And that is why, so there's this piece of this that says, we're going back to where we began, an octave higher. So that is the first major big piece that you will see that's harking back to our um, as I just stopped there for a minute. See me freeze up? <laughs> so, okay. Because they're big energies. It's like, whoa. Now I want to move to number four and we're working remember double 29s and the two so we're working with in the Yijing hexagram 29 is the abyss and hexagram two is the receptive meaning the divine feminine so we're working with these two energies you can kind of see this the abyss so here's persephone going into the underworld um and yet the divine feminine the receptive force going as guided and so forth and so now I want to look at number four. The fourth thing that the unseen gave us for this week, and all I heard was the phrase Chapel Hill. 
And of course, Chapel Hill, probably the most famous, is going to be Chapel Hill, North Carolina in the United States. And Chapel Hill, it was nicknamed the southern part of heaven. Why? Because way back at its founding, there was what was called New Hope Chapel. It was a, a church, New Hope Chapel, that stood upon a hill at the crossroads, at the crossing of two roads, this intersection, this X marks the spot. So then I was like, okay, but it wasn't quite, wasn't quite hitting it. I'm like, yes, okay, we're getting there. We're getting close to what the unseen is saying, but it's really not quote unquote about Chapel Hill, North Carolina. It's about, welcome, Jennifer. So dug a little deeper. And what it came to be, the message, hugely, and, and goes right directly to a quote that I had taken from Hexagram 2, which I'll bring up here in a minute. Because chapel, the original meaning of the word chapel, meant hood or cloak. And it was a reference, it is a reference to St. Martin's cloak. And the story is that St. Martin came upon in the in the freezing of winter came upon a almost naked man shivering and and begging asking and not having anything saint martin took his sword and cut his cloak in half and wrapped this freezing beggar is the way the story is told in half of his cloak and he remained with the other half later that evening St. Martin had a dream where he saw Master Jesus and said, you, you nourished me, you, you clothed me. In essence, the beggar was actually Master Jesus. And thereby, unity, oneness, empathy, compassion, goodness, that these elements prevailed. And thus, the word chapel originally hood and cloak, became the word, or it, it, it evolved into the meaning sanctuary. So then it became very clear to me they were talking about a hill of sanctuary, Chapel Hill, this, which led to the image they had already given me for this quote that's coming in hexagram two, which we're going to bring up here. And it says, when closely related things do not harmonize, misfortune is the result. The image, this is an image of Jerusalem. It is an image of the Temple Mount, the Dome of the Rock, the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall, um, Mount Moriah. And the, the point here is, this is the, one of the most, if not the most, revered, holy sites in the world to Jews, Muslims, and Christians alike. And the point in the message here, remember our main theme is unity, the world before us, the one that came before and the one that is in front of us, the one to come. When closely related things do not harmonize, the closely related things are the Jews, 
the Muslims, and the Christians. They all originate as we all do. They all originate. They share the same father, Abraham. Their only difference is their mother. One was Sarah, the other Hagar. So for the Muslims, Hagar is their mother. For the Jews, it is Sarah, sharing the same father, Abraham. And of course, then the Christians come about via the Jews, the Gen were the Gentiles, the Christians are the Gentiles. And so there's a huge, huge message here about when closely related things do not harmonize. And do not harmonize meaning it's not that they're, they're uh, not harmonic, that they're not naturally harmonic. It's that when closely related things do not harmonize, it's about, it's a message to all of us, to 8 billion souls on the planet. You share the same father. You share the same fortune, the same destiny. And yet you choose to be disharmonic. And thus, misfortune is the result. And I know that may be simplifying things. However, it is really sometimes that simple and that profound. It's choice. It's the choices we're making that create unity and harmony or misfortune and disharmony. And thereby, they're saying to us, and, and they went on with number four, they went on, I'm leaving this image up because it's so powerful and the statement is so powerful. And then they said, they, with the, the tense and this restoration, this unity, this what's coming before us. And it is Jeremiah 30, 18. And it says, thus says the Lord, behold, I will restore the fortunes of the tents of Jacob and have compassion on his dwellings. The city shall be rebuilt on its mound and the palace shall stand where it used to be. Now, the Dome of the Rock stands where it is believed that the temples, the Dome of the Rocks um, is in the location of where Solomon's temple and the temple, the second temple rebuilt by Herod, um, stood. And so one wonders or says, well, how is it that this could be? But remember, unity, sharing something common. It's only because we are creating division within ourselves and thus outwardly. Somehow it's, no, I know best. Or somehow it's, no, it's my God versus your God. And think about that division within religions, within, within Christianity, within Judaism, within um, Islam, within their, within their own respective religions. There's division, hierarchy. 
we do that with ourselves. The moral of this is saying, the point is saying, unity, coming together. It would not have been this way. There would not have been a, an Abraham, a, a Hagar, and Ishmael, their son. There would not have been an Abraham, a Sarah, and Isaac. There would not have been these happenings, these occurrences, the Gentiles, if it weren't perfect and divine and neutral. There's a reason. There's a point. There's an opportunity. There's a lesson. And again, 11, 11, 11, the gates of hell or the entrance to heaven. Choose. That is, we can apply this massive macro, and we see this playing out. We see it in our current affairs, world affairs right now. And we can see it within ourselves. So if it's within ourselves and it's within religions and it's within societies, within organizations, within governments and institutions, within businesses, the choice is the same because it's 8 billion souls on the planet. It's 8 billion human beings. That is the shared um, commonality. And that is one of the biggest, that's like the biggest message that we are taking away from this week, that we are migrating and moving forward. It is for us to look at it. Because item 2B, to be, from the unseen this week was X arcs the spot. And we've had that. We've had that as a main theme before. And they were bringing it back and they were saying X marks the spot. Remember, Chapel Hill. New Hope Chapel. It's a chapel that stood at, at a, uh, upon a hill at the crossing of two roads. The crossing of two roads. And then they said, they used the phrase, miss the mark. And the point was, it was to not miss the mark. It was to, so when you, when you have, if anybody's been in entertainment or you see shows, entertainment shows that are, um, you know, there's a mark, there's an X on the floor where the contestant or the the person is supposed to, or in plays or something, you quote unquote, you hit your mark. It's where you're meant to be on stage for everything to appear correctly and present to the audience. They're saying X marks the spot. This chapel hill, this sanctuary on the hill, this restoration. And what I didn't complete is. Wouldn't it be, and I, and you know, I understand this may be sacrilegious to people, and yet the point would be here's this institute, here's this place, Jerusalem, the, the birthplace of, of um, Christianity, Judaism, uh, Islam. There's so many pieces all in this one concentrated spot. X marks the spot. It is literally said where Master Jesus is to return. Well, the return, what, what is before us, is harmony, unity. In order to get there, it may be chaos and confusion and 
and you know uh, the dismantling of the old. The point that they're making is who or what's to say with all of these concurrences, all of these things happening at this same location, that it can't, quote unquote, breed, birth, a harmonic unity, the, the temple and the dome. It's the same father. We are all human beings. Unity. We need not dismantle and destroy and oppress and suppress and demean others. By doing so, we are doing it to ourselves. And if we can't see that, if we can't see that truth, we're in trouble. And thus, here we are. All right, so let's move into, um, I want to go quickly to the Sabian symbols with the astrological chart because you again will see these. Um, so we've got zero degrees, I'm sorry, two degrees, Mars. We've got four degrees, which is the sun. They're on the upper right in red. Directly opposite them in blue, four degrees because the moon is in Gemini, the sun and Mars are in Sagittarius. And remember, the center of our universe is 26 degrees Sagittarius. It's like the heart of the heart. Um, and then you'll see up kind of uh, to the left, a little bit, maybe, uh, what is that, 10 o'clock, you see Saturn sitting there at zero degrees Pisces. You'll see the red triangle in the center wheel. That is, it's creating a mutable T-square between the sun and Mars on one end, the moon on its opposite end, and Saturn at the tip, at the point. Now, here is where it all gets so very interesting, because these hexagrams, sorry, I'm sorry, not the hexagrams, the Sabian symbols, just bringing that up really quickly, these are by Dane Rendier, um, from his astrological mandala. So the Sabian symbols that correspond with these degrees are the following. The moon is at five degrees, so it's four degrees, so it's five degrees on the Sabian symbol of Gemini. A revolutionary magazine asking for action. Remember, we're moving towards this not since the French and American revolutions, not since the Industrial Revolution. So here we have a revolutionary magazine asking for action. Its keynote is the explosive tendency of repressed feelings and rude emotions. Every movement overstressing one direction calls forth in time an equally extreme movement in the opposite direction. So we have this clinging to the past, the, the Piscean patriarchal element completing itself. That era is complete. And so this the extreme of wanting, the overstressing and the extreme of it, of those that do not want it to leave, creates an opposite movement in, an, in a different direction. Those migrating and moving to the divine feminine, the matriarchal Aquarian age. This is particularly true at the level of dualistic mind symbolized in the zodiac by Gemini, the dual minds. 
What is rigidly bound in form and convention tends to explode into formlessness. It may do so violently if socially suppressed, through revolution, or at the psychological level in psychosis, or it may withdraw inwardly into the mystical state in which one identifies with an unformulatable reality, meaning it's unseen, it has yet to tangibly manifest. This fifth stage is related to the first, as it is the experience of a world of being so far unperceived by the everyday consciousness which starts the process. So, it's the experience of a world of being so far unperceived by the everyday consciousness which starts the process. There is an awareness that this unity, this world before us, this re we're going back to where we began, but an octave higher. It's unperceived by the everyday consciousness, but it's known. It's known to us. We can feel it. And thereby, that starts the process. In the same sense, a psychedelic experience may momentarily make the mind transparent to a non-ego structured realm of consciousness and may lead to a sustained attempt at understanding what has been revealed of a transcendent reality. What this is meaning is ayahuasca, mescaline may reveal, it'll take you out of your current consciousness, state of reality, and place you into an altered state of reality. You can see through the veils. Whether the revolutionary action is violent or peaceful, bitterly resentful or loving, the one desire is to reach beyond established forms. So here again, these gates, the 11-11-11, whether revolutionary action is violent or peaceful, heaven or hell, bitterly resentful or loving, heaven or hell, the one desire is to reach beyond established forms. It's to reach beyond what we already know. It's to reach beyond what we've already experienced. Because again, we've said this a lot, the arc of destiny is forward. It's not backward, it's forward. So here are these very powerful symbols reinforcing the narrative that the unseen is giving us. That's the moon. Now we move to the sun. The sun is at four degrees Sagittarius, so it's five degrees. An old owl sits alone on the branch of a large tree. Here's our beautiful owl and that golden apple, all denoting wisdom, all seeing, knowing. And it says, the keynote is, a poised and wise approach to existence based on a clear perception of unconscious factors and their operation. So we're poised, and it's a poised and wise approach to existence based on a clear perception of unconscious factors, unseen, and their operation. The owl has always been a symbol of wisdom, and its hooting call has evoked a rise to mysterious and hidden elements in life. The owl functions lucidly in the night aspect of existence. Their eyes see what men normally fail to perceive. He represents the, uh, that consciousness which is active where the processes of life normally escape the attention of the personal ego and its intellect. So that ego mind personality, it bypasses it 
and it's the soul source connection. It's the unseen. This symbol suggests the possibility of developing a wisdom beyond tragedy, a peace and poise beyond conflict. One might speak here of translucidity. Translucidity is, trans, is translucent, allowing light to pass through partially or diffuse, uh, diffusively. It means for the unseen, the light of the unseen, to, to come through. We talk about the, the rainbow body. We can look and say our 3D body is this dense physical body. And yet, look through many literatures, cultures, there's the rainbow body, the one Master Jesus was transfigured, translucent. So this translucidity. And it's talking again about peace beyond conflict. We then come, Mars is right next to the sun. It's at three deg uh, two degrees, so we have three degrees. Two men playing chess. The transcendent ritualization of conflict. The transcendent ritualization of conflict. Essential to sociocultural living is the transmutation of man's natural aggressiveness under most conditions of existence. We've got to transmute the natural aggressiveness. This is the symbol for Mars. Here's that, yes, we go forth and conquer. Many rituals, sports, and games have no other basic aim. In chess, the complex types of energies, which in their togetherness constitute a human person, are symbolized by six kinds of pieces. King, queen, bishops, knights, rooks, and pawns. The struggle between light and darkness, the yang and yin forces, is ritualized, ending in most cases with the checkmating of the king, the ego, the conscious self. In a dualistic world, such a contest between polarized forces is omnipresent. The chess game trains humans to be more objective, more careful more aware of whole situations, and less impulsive and intent upon side issues. Side issues, divisions, domination, oppression, suppression. See, we're, we are mastering ourselves. We're mastering our animalistic, our, our lesser nature, our lower nature, ego, mind, personality. This symbol deals with conflict, but at the level of group culture and psychological symbolization. It brings to the objective consciousness the basic realities in interpersonal interplay. It's raising to our attention how we must overcome these, these obstacles, these, these hurdles. And again, remember, it is not to demonize the divine masculine, the patriarchy. We don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We don't swing the pendulum so far to the other side that it's just a reverse. What we are meant to do is to discern, to take the very best of this, the patriarchal experience, the divine masculine, and place it in service to 
the soul, the divine feminine, the matriarchal. That's what was before us, and that is what is before us. That is where we are the return, the golden age, the return. Last but not least, Saturn sitting there comprising this mutable T-square. Its symbol at, for zero Pisces is one degree Pisces. In a crowded marketplace, farmers and middlemen display a great variety of products. The process of commingling and interchange, which at all levels demonstrates the health of a community. So remember, this is about commerce. We had this, we discussed this in a, in a previous show. This symbol refers to all that can be gained from social interplay, there's that word, interplay again, and especially in the broadest sense of the word, from commerce. Commerce, the meaning of commerce, can mean social intercourse, social interaction, interchange of ideas, opinions, and sentiments. The example is a negotiated peace that will reestablish intellectual commerce amongst peoples. See, we've gotten so far away from being able to have social interactions. The exchange of ideas and opinions and sentiments where we expand and grow with one another, not diminish and demean. It's not my way or the highway. This messaging is so powerful. Welcome, Colleen. So let's look at, because I want to get to, um, and our mantra, let me bring in our mantra really quickly, um, because it is so beautiful. Be still and have patience. And this beautiful image, this mirroring image, as above, so below. It was, it was the unseen saying to us, be still and have patience. What is before us, the world before us, is here, is arriving. And thereby, it is for us because that 11, 11, 11, those gateways, which one are we choosing? And again, I'm just going to bring this up very quickly. When closely related things do not harmonize, misfortune is the result. We are meant to harmonize. We are meant to work with one another. We are meant to work. We are meant to forgive ourselves. We're meant to work to bridge the gap internally. How can we do it externally if we're not willing to do it internally with ourselves? Forgive ourselves. Forgive our misgivings. Forgive our close-mindedness. Forgive ourselves. And then choose. Gates of hell, gates of heaven. Which one? Choose. They're going to lead, you know, the irony is they're going to lead to the same result, the same outcome, the same place. It's just two different ends of the spectrum. Because the arc of destiny moves forward. That is non-negotiable. It's a fait accompli. It's just 
which end of the which experience which end of the spectrum do you want to be on so let's um quickly i'm going to bring up uh the north point journal from pam youngins and this has to do with so i'll share my screen here with you all and this has to do with this beautiful there's the the fever full moon it's a photo by raman deep um and here pam is talking about um the gemini full moon gemini is the sign of intellect curiosity and the rational mind's processes of learning teaching and communicating sagittarius represents what is beyond the gateways of concrete thought and our daily experiences gateways 11 11 11. it asks us to consider the deeper meanings of life to ponder what we believe and what we have faith in a gemini full moon thus requires that we access both logic ego mind personality divine masculine and wisdom unseen divine feminine nourishment in equal measure that we respect both what we can know with our minds and what we can perceive from the level of our soul see it is that piece there's that mutable t-squared at the time of the lunation a uh a configuration called a T-square will be activated, involving the moon in Gemini, the sun, Mars, and Ceres in Sagittarius, and Saturn in Pisces. To visualize this, imagine a large letter T in the sky, with the moon at one end of the crossbar, the sun, Mars, and Ceres at the other end, and Saturn at the base. A T-square represents a buildup of pressure that is looking for a release point. Under its influence, people may act irrationally or impulsively. With the planets of this T-square being in mutable signs, there is extra stress on our nervous systems and mental state, perhaps due to our attention being drawn in too many directions or because of problems with indecisiveness. Saturn's position at the apex of the configuration tells us that self-discipline and discernment are vital assets to help us move successfully, successfully through any challenges that we may encounter with this full moon. We're going to be encountering these energies moving forward. This is an epic shift that is before us. That is that 2024 is the, the apex moment that um, it sits here. Let me bring it up. Let me bring it up. It's a capstone moment. Remember the all-seeing eye in the capstone. It's the Ben. And remember, the Ben-Ben is the primordial mound the hill that's why and the benu represents source represent is likened to the phoenix that's why this is all presenting itself because again this mound the hill we have all of these symbols and signs of the creation myth is that it originated on a mound the benben here's the benu bird representing ra the sun our life force let me go back to sharing my screen. So um, Saturn is teaching us to focus our minds, but also to draw upon faith and optimism to deal with any concerns that arise. See, it's that beautiful unity, the harmony, the balance of the ego mind personality and the soul, soul source connection. 
um, the T-square also requires that we reclaim our inner spiritual authority, moving beyond narrow-mindedness, avoidance, and cynicism. It's about choosing anew. Restart. It is about releasing the old, keeping the very best of it, standing upon the shoulders of giants as we move forward. And that is so true as well with ourselves. Take the very best of who you are, who we are as individuals, and allow the rest to be released, to be cleansed, purged, so that you make space for the new, this emptying of the vessel of, as we've talked about. And, and to meet the day, to meet the moment, to meet the world before us with open arms, with open openness, because that's, that is what's arriving. That is what's going to occur. There is no holding that back away down. It's not going to happen. And thereby, you know, which train are you on? You know, there's our train analogies. So um, Elizabeth is saying, it feels like everything is getting set up for this coming year. Yes, this capstone moment, this year of unity, the world before us. Everything is, is building and crescendoing, and we can feel it, and we can see it. And I find, you know, it's so poignant to see what's going on in the world affairs, in the Middle East and everything. And here, so poignantly, they, they bring in, I'm going to bring it back up one more time. When closely related things do not harmonize, misfortune is the result. The message here is, it doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be this way. We don't have to be at odds with ourselves, and we certainly don't have to be at odds with others. Person, place, thing, business, institution, governance. We don't have to be at odds with one another. We could choose to unify. We could choose to take and focus on the very best of every person, institution, country, resource, and harmonize. And people may say, they may hear this and say, wow, dear James, what an idealist he is. Well, it's not me. It's the unseen, number one. I do subscribe to that theory. However, the point, it's not about me. It's about us. And thus, the world before us is that. It is what came before, and it is what is arriving. That's just a simple fact <laughs> from the unseen. So let's move into hexagram. There's two hexagrams, and I'm going to do them very quickly um, because I'm mindful of the time. Like I said, this could have been a two-hour show. So let's look very quickly at the receptive, which is the divine feminine. Its action is to reflect. It's like the moon. The moon reflects the light, reflects the light of the sun. In that, she's embody it. She, it's, she's the embodiment of it, and she reflects it. Her hidden influence is herself, the receptive. Yield. Yield to the guidance. Yield to the light. 
its underlining cause is hexagram one, the creative, the divine masculine, to initiate. It is for them to work in harmony, in unity, to bring about the, the most amazing, I'm going to use the word crop because it's here, it's a, it's a quote by Ovid, take rest. A field that has rested gives a bountiful crop. It's like that in agriculture. You can't just keep tilling the land over and over and over and over and over. It, the nutrients, its vitality, everything gets depleted. It's the same with us, with humans. A field that has rested gives a bountiful crop. There's another quote by Carrie Hone, Cafe O Soul, where these come from. Reaction is how you defend the past against the future. See, it's reactive. It's how you defend the past against the future. But the future arrives nonetheless. So the receptive calls for a period of patience and reflection. Where you may have been reactive in the past, it is time to learn how to be responsive. Reaction is a defensive position to uphold the known, while responsiveness is open to the unknown. The receptive encourages you to yield to the way each day is a creative awakening. A sense of openness and the release of clinging to structure and form will be necessary to give birth to this energy. So a sense of openness and the release of clinging to structure and form will be necessary. Got to let go of the old. Got to let go of what we know. The difference between reaction and response is your ability to use your senses and not the memory mind while observing. Stand in the moment with a sense of openness to what is unfolding without defending the past. Connect with each sense. Are you listening? Are you seeing how life speaks to you? Remove preconceptions and judgment, expectations. Remove them. Release your attachment to an outcome. All things change in time, and a period of action reflected by the underlining cause of the creative must give way to its opposite. See, we've been in this 2,000 plus year of action, 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 do, do, do. Now we are going to, we're going to enter and come into a 2,000 plus year state of being, receiving, be. It's very foreign to us because everything in our, in our institutions, our world, our structures, everything says go, 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 do, do, do. And we make no time to be, to listen, to receive, to go as guided. But that is the Aquarian age. Um, so all things change in time and a period of action reflected by the underlying cause of the creative must give way to its opposite, reflection. Like winter, it is time to turn within and reinvigorate your inner world in preparation for a springtime to come. Demeter, springtime to come, eternal spring. Embodying an open field in any activity, you are called to put your needs aside to serve, open and reflect before acting. The receptive's power of success comes from within. Move into the world from the inside out. The receptive is the womb holding the energy of attraction by way of intention that requires the development of sincerity and patience. Here's one of our quotes. When you are 
uh, pardon me, gotta bring it up. When you are sincere, you will meet with success. This is by the master of the of the Yijing, the hexagrams. When you are sincere, you meet with success. It's not false. It's not built on something, on a false foundation. It's authentic. It's genuine. And thus, when, you're, when you are sincere, you will meet with success. I'm going to jump to hexagram 29. And hexagram 29 is the abyss. Its action is to relinquish. Its hidden influence, 27, nourishing vision, nurture, divine feminine, nurture. Its underlining cause, clarity, persist. We're persisting so that we get a clear picture, a clear understanding, a clear head. If you cannot change the direction of the wind, or fate, or eternity, time, destiny, adjust your sails and let it guide you. You're either swimming upriver or you're not. And for salmon, that's, that's being authentic, that's being genuine, that's being sincere. For others, for humans, it's not. It's, it's incongruent. So, the abyss reveals how we explore a path even when it feels dangerous. Whatever your question, there is an element of needing to go deep below the surface to uncover what is really happening, no matter how frightening. We talk about this a lot. When we stay on the surface, that's easy. It's what's below it. The true meaning of any event, of any experience, isn't what you're seeing on the surface. It's underneath. You gotta go, you gotta go deep below the surface to uncover what is really happening, no matter how frightening. The idea of nourishing vision can also lead to staying away because of fear. In every hero journey, just when success is on the horizon, the nemesis reappears. Will we fight or flee? Will we allow the change to teach us something? Will we continue to nourish vision or will we uh, continue to nourish vision in unhealthy ways? Clinging to the past, staying on the surface, are we, which, you know, which wolf are we feeding? We are told not to persist in an old way, even when we might not understand the new way. This is similar to the dark night of the soul, where life seems to engulf us in confusion and we give up hope. Can you honestly look back and not see the meaning for any challenges you faced? The situation is highly charged, but like the hero, going through the danger is necessary to discover who you are, what you really need, and what you are capable of accomplishing. In hero myths, one often discovers that the nemesis is actually a teacher, sometimes even a parent. In this case, the dangerous flow of water that has engulfed you will lead somewhere beneficial when you just relinquish control. There is great power in realizations to be obtained when, when confronting fear in the deep waters of the unconscious. The current of events can be overwhelming, like a deluge, but there is a benevolent aspect at play which is seeking to set you free. See, we're being, we're being set free, set my people free. Exodus to Revelations, deliverance. Along with the dangerous abyss you must descend into, 
we see an image of a cap with wings signifying one who teaches others how to transcend difficulty because of actual experience. You might rise above the danger with the faith that all is unfolding as it should. You can also choose to allow the situation to lead you deeper into your own psyche and emotional dynamics. Heaven, gates of hell, gates of heaven, which one are you choosing? Using humor or escapism to mask the danger won't work. The winged cap isn't a toy and doesn't magically appear so you can just rise above or hide from difficulty. It requires work to achieve enlightenment. However you decide to proceed, after a time of meeting the abyss, you will become more sincere in your outlook. This is what is meant by, when you are sincere, you will meet with success. The abyss is a time of testing. Clarity as the underlining cause can be a message that an old outlook can no longer serve the new person you are becoming. Nourishing vision as the hidden influence can remind you that even when the way forward seems to threaten your idea of safety, energy is working deep within to transform your confusion into clear vision. The abyss is the keeper of the night self and embodies that part of us that knows exactly who we are and where we need to be. Trust the process at play in your situation and pay attention to your dreams because the dream state can also guide us and, and does guide us. So mindful of the time, powerful, powerful, powerful messages this week. And one of the last quotes, quote number two was, those who go against the way, um, pardon me, those who go against the way are called unlucky. It's two ends of the spectrum. It's two different ways. And you see the lightning striking. You see this beautiful image. I mean, look at the, the beauty of all this blue and the waters and everything. And yet, you know, this strike. So those who go against the way are called unlucky. It's simply a message of, because whatever, I wouldn't necessarily, it's, it's simply unlucky in the sense that, is it, it's all divine and neutral. It's just what does your soul wish to experience? Which, which gate do you wish to walk through? Which path do you choose your soul? What is it choosing to experience? We will all end up in this, for lack of better phrasing, final outcome, this destination. It's just which path did you travel? And perception or judgment says, is it lucky or unlucky? Um, however, there's plenty of historical or biblical narrative to demonstrate that one one path might be considered lucky and the other path unlucky. So these are the big messages that are here for us, um, that we are, as to Elizabeth's point, that we are building upon and crescendoing um, and literally leaping towards. Because it is a leap of faith. It is inner trust. It is soul source connection. Um, and it is, quote-unquote, technically unconscious, meaning unseen at the moment. However, that does not mean that it will not happen. Because when it happens, it happens. So, with all of that, 
I love all of you. I apologize that I didn't get to all of your comments. I will incorporate them into the show threads on Facebook. Um, and we have some exciting, exciting uh, new things. Um, or I'll do a second video. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be mindful of the time. So until next week, it's a whole new month. It's the 12 energies and everything moving forward into this culmination um, for the eight year, the, the, the year of unity. Um, and the world before us. Until then, be safe and have a beautiful and treat yourselves well. And uh, I will see you next week. You've been listening to Dear James Live. Gain intuitive insight, answers, and advice to your life questions and so much more by tuning in next week and visiting DearJames.com.